If I haven't met y'all yet, my name is Logan. I help lead in this ministry. I'm a life group leader. Um, some of my guys are in here. I just want to take a minute. If y'all have your Bibles, will you get your Bibles out? Either the paper, the real Bible, or the Version app. That works too. It's still the Word of God. But if y'all could go ahead and get that out, get it handy and ready, because we're about to have some speakers who are about to spit some fire, and we got to be in the Word with them whenever they're saying it. Um, but real quick, you have to put up with me for like just one or two minutes before I intro them. As Justin was speaking, I was just kind of thinking, he was talking about how there's, God's building this home. He's building this house and he's using us as Christians, us as believers, us as young people to do this. And the way he's doing that is he's putting gifts inside of us. Him, his Holy Spirit is inside of us who has gifts and he's willing to give these gifts to us. And I just want to think about this idea. Um, I know us as young people, We've seen a lot of people above us, older than us, generations ahead of us. We've seen some hurt that they've experienced. We've seen some things that have happened to them. Um, we may have seen some great things that we get to, to walk after the model that they've set before us. But guys, we've walked through COVID. <laughs> we've done a lot just like they did. Uh, we walked through some hard things. And so I know I personally have seen my family get hurt by things, but I also have had to ask the question, what's real? What is real in my life? Why am I here? What is my purpose? And I know y'all probably have asked a similar question. What is real? And I know for a fact that God, who is real, is faithful to show up when you ask that question. Do y'all agree with that? Can I get an amen? Um, I'm going to read in 1 Timothy 4. You've heard the verses before that I'm about to read. I'm going to start with 11, and I'm going to read to 14. It says, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Young guns, praise God. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture. That's what we're doing right now. To preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. This is a prophecy talking a long time ago, whenever this word was written, before this word was written. But guys, I believe that the Holy Spirit is still willing to, to give us some prophecy, and he's still saying that you have a gift inside of you, like I mentioned a second ago. But you, you have to have a gift in order to neglect it. And so what I'm saying is, there's these, these three young guns that we're about to have up here, and they all have been walking in their gifts. Um, they've all been, I want to focus on conduct. The way that they serve other ministries and they serve this house faithfully, just like we shouted out Mikel for it, it's insane. The youth groups, production, social media team, they take so many steps just to get in the presence of God to serve him and to serve others, to love God and to love other people. Um, so these are some great people that set an example for us to follow and to learn from. Um, so if you're willing, please take some notes. Please be ready to, to get spoken to from the word of God. Um, with that being said, I'm about to get out of here so I can give it up to the real young guns. Uh, so that being said, the first young gun we have, give it up for Maddie. Give me just a sec. Y'all can talk. <laughs> Hey, if you don't already know me, <laughs> my name is Maddie. I'm a junior at UCA, go Bears. Um, 
They told me that I could only speak for six or seven minutes, so I had to cut out a few verses. So just, just a little heads up on that. Um, so they asked me to speak on what God is teaching me, and which can be a hard topic because sometimes you're just like, I don't even know, like there's so much, but, but it can be confusing at times. But I really truly feel like God has called me to um, give this message to y'all. And so let's just jump right in. Um, so just a little life update. I got the opportunity to go to a conference um, over Christmas break. It was three days long, it was super fun. And it just really reminded me of the things that I wanna do for Christ. And, um, and then also just the areas of my life that I need to grow in as a believer. And that's not because um, following Jesus comes with a list of things that we have to do, but rather Jesus calls us to live differently than the world lives. Um, and so things like discipleship and memorizing scripture, and then just simply being able to pour into the people that I'm surrounded by. And um, all that to say, I have been trying to prioritize my time with the Lord this year. And one day he put this question on my heart. It's so easy to get caught up in the Christian things, but what does our alone time with him look like? I'll read it again. It's so easy to get caught up in the Christian things, but what does our alone time with him look like? And at the time, I didn't even know like that I would be speaking, that I'd be up here or anything like that. Um, so I just kept it in my journal and I feel like this is a question that the Lord wanted me to ask y'all. Um, and the Christian things aren't bad, but I think when they stop happening out of an overflow of the Holy Spirit that we need to realign and look at what God is trying to teach in us. And because in the end, he just wants to spend time with us and he just wants us to know his true character. So tonight I'm gonna talk about how a relationship with the Lord is a daily surrender to his will. So if you wanna turn in your phone Bibles or regular Bibles, <laughs> whatever you got. Um, we're going to turn to John 6, 32 through 33. I'll give y'all a minute. It says, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. So how many of you eat daily by raise of hands? <laughs> okay, okay. I know that's kind of a stupid analogy, um, but this is much like our time in the word. In order to have an overflow of the Holy Spirit, we first have to dive into the word and feed our spiritual hunger. And much like food sustains our physical life, the Lord or the bread of life sustains our spiritual life. And do I get this perfect? No, definitely not. But I think first we have to have a willingness to say, Lord, I surrender this day to you, have your way in me. And it's in those daily moments with the Lord where our faith increases and our love for others increase, which then leads us to bring others to know him. Um, 
So a few months ago, I was at prayer and fasting week. We do it every year um, in January. And one question that somebody brought up was, um, or not question, but they said, God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for steady progress. Now, (laughs) that was funny. Um, Now steady progress doesn't mean steady calendar additions, but rather an increased devotion to what God has given you right now. And like I said earlier, are you making yourself busy with Christian things or are you devoted to that one-on-one time with the Lord? So first, in order for us to live our lives um, in a daily surrender, we have to both, sorry, we have to first spend time with him. Um, And then the second thing we get to do is simply just giving our day to him, praying something like, God, I surrender this day to you, invites the Holy Spirit in. And it also helps you to remember to stay in consistent conversation with him. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I think the Lord just wants to be included in our mundane task. And he tells us things for a purpose. Um, All that to say, has the Lord ever put something on your heart where you were like, oh, somebody else should do that. I think they're better for this role or um, anything like that. Well, I believe that the Lord put that on your heart for a purpose and that he can use you for anything that he calls you to. And he's going to equip you for what you're called for. He's not just going to throw you out in the dust and leave you high and dry. Um, So tonight, I just wanted to encourage y'all. Seek the presence of God. Ask him for opportunities to step out in boldness, even though it might seem hard. And what would it look like if this generation who is hungry for God to move took steady progress in our one-on-one devotion to God seriously? And then out of that, be able to share and invest in those who God has placed near to us. I think now more than ever, you can see our generation start to rise up and do things for the kingdom. But I think first we have to be willing to do that and to do the things that he has called us to. And I know that he has equipped each one of you in here to do what he wants you to do. And so it's not by accident that you're having these thoughts, oh, I should do this. Um, But it's rather what he has placed on your heart. And... So that's all I have. Next. (laughs) Thank you. Next, I want to introduce the man, the myth, the legend, Holden. How's it going, everybody? Y'all doing all right? My name is Holden. If you have not met me, that means I'm probably doing my role really well because I lead the production team and we tend to stay in the back and we kind of hide, but somehow they uh, brought me out of the cave back there Um, and they asked us just to share, like Maddie said, something that the Lord's been teaching us. And um, 
I don't know about you, but the last few years, the Lord has really been had a lot of opportunity to teach me a lot because there's been a lot of things thrown at me. And so just to give you a little background, I grew up in a church environment. And so I've kind of learned the Christian things, as Maddie said. But something I did last year was I asked the Lord, I said, what's something like, I feel like we're doing well. I felt like my time in the word was good. And I felt like my worship time was good. But I was like, Lord, there's something, there's got to be something that I can really improve on. And he kind of hit me with the one I didn't want him to say. And he said, you don't talk to me a lot. So prayer. And I don't know about you, but if you think you're good at prayer, I don't know that you've got it down. <laughs> because there's so many people who are so good at prayer that they're like, oh, I'm not good at prayer, but they're so good at prayer. But I really went down this journey where it was, what is prayer? And I don't want to take us through all that because we don't have time for that. But there's this psalm recently that has really just been sticking out to me that I'm going to read. It's a lot of word. So we're going to read it. It is um, Psalm 86. If you want to flip there or tap there, whatever method you want to get there. But I want to read it. It's a little long, but just stick with me because there's some stuff in here I want to talk about. Because just to give you a summary, the Lord has a way he wants to be approached. And the scary thing about that is that means there is a not great way to approach the Lord, but there is a good way to approach the Lord. And the good thing is that the Lord cares for us and he shows us how to do it. Like he's not leaving us out there lost. He's not leaving us out there looking. He's got it in his word. But the cool thing is, is that God also, when we approach him the way he desires to be approached, will approach us a certain way too. So that's what we're going to get in. I'm going to try to get through this. I know it's a lot of word, but stick with me. It says, Lord, there is no one like you among the gods and there are no works like yours. All the nations you have made will come and bow down before you, Lord, and they will honor your name. For you are great and perform wonders. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, and I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. I will praise you with all my heart, Lord, my God, and will honor your name forever. For your faithful love for me is great, and you rescue me in my life from the depths. God, arrogant people have attacked me. A gang of ruthless men intend to kill me. They do not let you guide them, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant. Save the son of your female servant. Show me a sign of your goodness. My enemies will see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped and comforted me. There's a lot in there. The cool thing about the Psalms, though, is they literally are prayer. That is a prayer that David wrote on a piece of paper and that we have access to. But real quick, I just want to jump into a few things that are highlighted in there. The first things are how God asks us to approach him. The first few parts of that psalm, it's very much like, this is about the Lord. And 8 and 10, it says, Lord, there is no one like you among the gods. God desires to be approached with reverence. I know something for me is I grew up in a, 
a church environment where it's kind of like everything was about reverence. Like you didn't bring water into the auditorium because it was like if you spilt it, it was like you were defiling the temple. And so it's easy for us to kind of swing to the other end of the pendulum and kind of get really familiar, but God deserves our awe. He is the Lord of Lords. So that's the first way. The next way is he asks us to approach him with an attitude of worship and prayer. I think that's something that I see so many people in this ministry do so well, and I see it stewarded so well by the leaders. There's just this expectation of we want to approach the Lord and give him honor. But he asks us to do that in our daily one-on-one time. The next way is with gratitude and thankfulness. And Psalm 100 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. It's so important that we thank the Lord. There's so many good things he's done for us. And then the last way is with faith. In that Psalm, you see where the people that didn't let the Lord guide them, they were arrogant. That's the the trap we can fall into when we don't approach the Lord with faith and we lean on the way we know how to do things. It's so easy to get arrogant. But when we approach him with faith, he keeps us humble. And so the cool thing is, what does he promise us? The cool thing he promises us is after you get to the end of that psalm, it says, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. God approaches us with compassion, with provision, and with consideration, which means that he cares about what you care about. When we approach him well, he is right there with us in the midst of everything that we go through. So you're like, how does this all relate to prayer? Well, prayer is literally how we communicate with God and commune with him. More than being a method of something that we talk to him, it's really the best way we can be with him. Sometimes prayer is as simple as just sitting with him. And I know that's uncomfortable because my phone's beeping and I'm a techie guy. So I like to watch YouTube. I like to learn things. So it's very easy to get distracted. But when we just sit with him, that is one of the best ways to pray. Or when you talk to him, when you sing worship songs, when we're on weekend services or when we're here at Elevation, that is also prayer. You're putting words on your lips to him. There's so many ways to pray. And so I I say that to encourage you to not think that unless you sit in your prayer closet or you sit in your car for 20 minutes and you just go through the motions that you're not doing good at prayer. It's like, no, prayer can be so simple. It's just being with the Lord. So I wanted to equip y'all with a prayer you can pray every day that's very easy, and it's also in the Word, so it can't be bad then. So I'm going to have us do something really weird and uncomfortable, but we're going to stand together. If you grew up in an an old church, we're going to stand together. And then it's going to come on on the screen. It's from Matthew 6. Some of you will recognize it, but if you didn't grow up in church, this is what's called the Lord's Prayer. And this is the model prayer that Jesus himself teaches us how to pray. And so what we're going to do, I'm going to read it. And then I just ask that just take some time in your heart just to take these words in. And then I'm going to challenge you when we leave this place, this every day this, for the next week, just take a picture of this verse and just start your day with the Lord's Prayer. It can be fast, slow, however you need to read it. You can read it in whatever version you want. But just take some time because there's so much in it. But we're going to read it. It says, therefore, you should pray like this. This is Jesus. He says, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, that's our prayer, that we would just partner with you, that we would just grow close with you. You are such an approachable God. And thank you for showing us how we can approach you in your word. Thank you so much. You are so good to us. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Come on. Next up, we've got Elevation's favorite home run robber. Except she's got a word this time that's actually out of the park already. Let's give it up for Regan. What? <laughs> Thanks. Okay, just a sec. Okay, like he said, my name is Regan. I go to UCA, I'm a freshman. I'm on the UCA softball team, I play outfield. Yeah, rawr. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think two weeks ago, Logan approached me and asked me if I wanted to do this. And I was like, sure. And when I thought about like what God is really teaching me, I felt like I wanted to say everything like my daily testimony, how I was first saved. It was like it all came at me, like I have to share it all, but that's not truth. And when I actually like took time and I was like, what is God actually teaching me? Like what is, what's happening right now? I was like, flashback, two years ago. And two years ago, I was convinced that I had to have something happen to me. I had to have something really bad and like bad, like rape bad or bad, like death in my family bad to know God. And that like my testimony in that sense, a bad testimony is the only way that God could meet me and the only way that I would know who he was and his love and all those things. And I wanted it. I wanted something bad because I felt like, yeah, yeah, I want God to know me. So I want, I want something bad to happen. And then bad stuff did happen. And I didn't find God, I was left. And it was like I gave up. I was like, okay, this bad stuff happened. He's not here, he doesn't exist. And nine months ago, if you were to ask me, Regan, is God real? I would have told you no. I would have told you, how could you believe in a God that didn't help me when I was hurt? I didn't have anything to say that he was real. I didn't have anything to say that he wasn't real. I'd consider myself agnostic, but I was, I was confused. And then if you asked me what I thought about Christians, I would have told you how weird I thought they were. And I would have told you how mad I would get at my mom for every time I'd have a problem or every time I'd come to her with a struggle and she'd throw a Bible verse at me. And how frustrated I would get that mom, I just, I don't need that because he's not real. And so today, what God is teaching me and what he's been teaching me, and it's like continuing, is that God is real. And yeah, that's that. Um, <laughs> so 1 Corinthians 8, 6, we kind of have it that it just says it right in the word, is yet for us, there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and from whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through we live. But if I were to hear that nine months ago, I would have been like, yeah, duh, the book, this book, 
that talks about Jesus, this book that claims Jesus, of course, this would tell me that this is real. Of course, this is, this is gonna say it like, duh, like why, why wouldn't it? But that doesn't make it true, it doesn't make it real. And thinking about that, it kind of, it makes me sad that I was in that spot. And I know a lot of people are in that spot. But then I came to college and I got here and I ended up in church a couple times. And it was like, I just, I just kind of gave it a little bit of a chance. You know, I just kind of showed up here a couple times and it was in this room. And it was like these little things that I would let happen became bigger things. And in this room, Jesus met me. And in this room, it was the real Jesus. It wasn't head knowledge. It wasn't, oh, this word. It was the real Jesus, the presence. He was here and he met me. And it was undescribable. But then it was like, okay, sweet. He's here, awesome but now people are telling me about this love that he gives us. And I was like, love, what? Like, yeah, my parents love me. Um, <laughs> they do, they do, they do. Um, and so then it was like, there's this love. And I was like, okay, sweet, love. I didn't know what that meant though. Like, it's like, it's, I still didn't feel it. Like, yeah, okay, Jesus is great. I feel the presence, but is he still real? Like, is this still real? Is this love real? Is this word real? Is the peace? Everything, is it real? And I decided to take a step and ask God, are you real? And I, I couldn't just say that. I had to actually take a step and actually do something. So I broke up a two-year relationship to a man that I thought I was going to marry, to a man I had already planned our kids' names with. Like, I, I, I decided to take a step and say, no, like, I'm not doing this anymore. This isn't right. I'm not being treated right. I took a step. And I was like, if you are real, this step has to mean something. I have to know you now. And when you do this, when you break up a two-year relationship, like I expected to be hurt, and I expected to have to heal, and I expected to have to cry about it and to have to talk to people. And I expected maybe I'm not going to be able to eat for a couple days because what did I just do? But that's not how it happened. Like he filled that hole immediately. And I didn't have to experience that. I didn't have to know what it meant to not feel that love anymore. That love that he was providing me. I felt his love. And then it was like that peace too. Like, what am I going to do now? I, I'm single. I haven't been single for two years. What? And he just filled that. And immediately, and I didn't have to do anything except take that step. And it was just like one of those things that like, you take one step and God comes full force at you. And wow. Um, so in First John... 4, 16 and 18, it says, and so we know and rely on the love of God or the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And that like became so real and so enough. Like that became... Yeah, 
And then the same thing with the peace. Like, I came to college, and yeah, I wasn't doing the right things, but I had known in my head that I'm not, I don't want to party. I don't want to go down that road. I'm a college athlete. I don't want to do those things. And that came with a lot of hurt, too. That came with a lot of, my roommates stopped talking to me. I had to move out of that apartment because I was being bullied. That's weird to say. And, like, that hurts. And you're 12 hours away from home. But then I was like, okay, God, show me you're real again because this is tough. And he was there, and it was peaceful. And I found you guys, and it all, like, it all happened. And we can say that he's real all the time, but it's like until you feel it and until you, like, allow your heart to be soft for Jesus to invade, it's like you're still struggling. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So other things I've found, and I'm continuing to find, like, I'm still, I'm seven months into this. I'm not, like, holding a Maddie or up here preaching, and I'm still figuring it out. Um, They are too, but, like, (laughs) these things are becoming real to me too, like his strength. Like, I struggled with depression this year for the first time in in my entire life. And his strength is real and his mercy and his pursuit after my heart, his forgiveness and his grace, his holiness and his intentionality. They're all real. And, and you just, yeah, it's real. And you have to take this step. Like I said, I took this one step and I was like, God, show me. And he did. And he filled me. And so I want to read this one verse. If that's not enough, if all what I said is not enough. Romans 1, 19 through 20. Since we may be known about God in plain to them, because God has made it in plain to them, or, yeah. For, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, because, begin understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Okay, I struggled reading that, but the point is, is that the sky that we see and the stars that we see and the ground that we walk on are all his and all his creation. So what I, if I said about the step and the feeling is not enough, that's enough too. Um, so what I want to end and challenge you all with is, is God real for when your anxiety attacks at its hardest? Is God real when you find out your boyfriend or girlfriend just cheated at you at that party? Is God real when your parents are getting divorced? Is God real when you lose someone in your family? Is God real when you get a bad grade on your exam? Like, are these things that we consider God to be real? Are they real in the hard things and in the easy things? Was he real when I was just going along? And I want you guys to think about this and know that he is and that he's strong enough and that everything it says in here is true. And yeah, that's all. So I'm going to pray. So if you bow your heads. Jesus, 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 we thank you. We thank you. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to speak to these 
students tonight. Thank you for Maddie and Holden, who also brought words. Thank you for Logan and Free for trusting us and putting so much effort into this ministry and everyone else who serves. Thank you for our worship team who knocks it out of the park every time. Thank you for each and every one of these souls in this room and all they have to offer. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being real. Thank you for being real. Thank you for not letting us fall. Thank you for holding us. Thank you that everything in the Bible is real. Thank you. Now we're going to go into worship.